0: This is Jennifer Hadley, and this recording is part of the Finding Freedom class series of audios. Finding Freedom is a powerful class offering you tools for transforming your mind so that you align with your divine nature every day in every way. These tools provide the pathway for you to develop the spiritual practices that will lead you to your healing and transformation. Spiritual practice is the ability to choose love in every moment, always remembering the oneness of all life. We're moving out of the old way of paying lip service to spirit, and instead we're in service to the heart. We're cultivating a holy relationship with all of life. I invite you to set the intention now to listen wholeheartedly. Committing to being the love and seeing the love in all areas of your life. Together, we partner up with the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit do the heavy lifting. Thank you so much for saying yes to being free. I'm Jennifer Hadley. Welcome to week one of Finding Freedom. I so appreciate your joining with me now, and we will begin, as we always do, with a prayer, and so I invite you to take a breath of love and gratitude with me as we place our hand on our heart and declare that we're wholeheartedly available for our awakening, for our healing, for our transformation. We are grateful and thankful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self to remember that our true identity is perfect love and we are the perfect givers and receivers of love. This is our natural design. So we are grateful and thankful to recognize I am that I am and I am one with the I am presence of every being everywhere. So grateful and so thankful to declare that this time is a time of healing. It's a time of awakening. So we're consciously choosing to surrender and make a holy offering of the habits of lack, attack, limitation, and separation. We are grateful and thankful to open our hearts and our minds to the healing power of love, the activity of love becoming the activity of our life. We're grateful and thankful for everything just as it is. We're grateful and thankful for all the teachers known and unknown, felt and not felt, seen and not seen, heard and not seen, recognized and unrecognized, all the teachers, all of life, supporting us, assisting us, in remembering the truth that sets us free. We are grateful and we are thankful to consciously choose to allow our healing And share the benefits with everyone, because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. We allow the healing to be. And so it is. Amen. 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 One of the most powerful aspects of this Finding Freedom work is... Certainly, what I discovered is that when I change my mind about the world, when I change my mind about my family and my friends and my colleagues and my co-workers, when I change my mind, then the world actually changes. That my point of view and the thoughts that I think have an impact on everyone and everything in my life. And when I am willing to hold everything in love, even when I don't like it, it has a healing impact. Yes, it does. And that is the foundation of finding freedom. And we'll get into that in this first class. One thing you can know about the Finding Freedom curriculum is that there are many pieces in the boot camp. And so I am inviting you to find the ones that you enjoy, that feel good for you, that you can make a commitment to doing on a daily basis so that you can build momentum Momentum is the thing that will build, it's like a heat, like a fire, that will burn away the habits of negativity that keep us feeling like we're cycling back onto a hamster wheel. One of the things that very few people seem to realize is that energetically, when we allow ourselves to entertain negativity, which is blame and shame, regret, resentment, hurt, fear, doubt, worry, jealousy, envy. These thoughts of attack, whether we're attacking ourselves with our thoughts or we're attacking someone else, it makes us so vulnerable to more negativity because like does attract like. So, many people experience huge amounts of negativity and they think it's happening to them. They think that it's because of the way they were raised or because of they have health issues or because their job or this or that there's something in the world that's causing the negativity to happen to them it really is that like attracts like and so no one is a loser no one is bad No one is wrong. But if we allow ourselves to entertain anger, then what it does, it's like if you can imagine poking holes in the beauty, the truth, the love, the purity, and the perfection of your natural state. And it's as though those holes then become places where negativity is magnetized in because like attracts like and so oftentimes with people they have a spiritual practice for a few minutes in the morning but then as they go through their day that spiritual practice is gone it's just gone and so If you look at the span of their life, maybe 18 waking hours or something like that in their day, or 16 waking hours, out of those 16 waking hours, perhaps 20 minutes might be focused on being loving and being compassionate. And then so much of the rest of the day, complaining, 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 complaining. And so... I think it's, it's a helpful reminder to say complaining makes me a crap magnet. And I'm not interested in magnetizing anything that feels like crap anymore. I'm done with that. I've learned everything I can learn from magnetizing negativity into my life. Now I would like to broadcast love, compassion, patience, kindness, generosity, and magnetize that into my life. And so our focus in finding freedom is simply on being willing to pay attention to what we're really thinking and what we're really energizing and to make another choice if it doesn't feel harmonious, if it doesn't feel sweet and good and natural and comfortable. If we're feeling irritated and frustrated and frustrated, we can do a U-turn And change your mind. And in Finding Freedom, I give you very specific practices of how to do that that are so helpful. So, the number one tip I have for you, I call it heart-mind congruency. Heart-mind congruency. So in our human experience especially for those people who are light workers people who are really interested in being a loving presence in their own life and in the world and contributing to the world being a more loving more beautiful place for the light workers of the world we hold in our heart peace, and love, and harmony. However, many times throughout our day, things happen, and our response to it is a reaction of negativity, anger, upset, irritation, frustration, blame, or maybe we feel bad, stupid, wrong, ashamed. We feel hurt. We say it's other people's fault. When we feel hurt, we blame other people for our feelings. And when we move into those negative, upset emotions, then our mind is not aligned with that heart intention to be a beneficial presence in the world, to be loving, to be kind, to be compassionate. And so what happens is there's no congruency between what we're holding in our heart and what we're holding in our mind. And so our life feels really stuck when that happens. How we move into feeling powerful and being able to have real success and healing in the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, in our finances, in our career, in our relationship, in our life. How we accomplish all those amazing, miraculous healings that are possible for us is through this heart-mind congruency. So imagine, if you will, that when your heart is aligned with love and peace and harmony and generosity, compassion, You're moving forward. You're really moving forward. And when your mind is entertaining blame and shame and regret and resentment and jealousy, those kinds of negative thoughts, it's as though your mind is moving backward. It's moving into the past. It's looking at the present moment through thoughts of the past. So when that's happening, you're not making any traction. And a lot of us have this experience of one step forward, one step backward. We seem to make some, some headway. For instance, a lot of people have it very specifically in their finances. Two steps forward, ah, two steps backward. What happened? I had some extra money, now I seem to have lost it. I had these great investments, now I seem to have lost it. It can also happen in our relationships. It can happen in our health. It can happen with spiritual insights and ahas. I thought I really understood something and now it seems I'm so confused and I don't understand anything. What's happening when we experience that backwards and forwards, feeling like we're not really making any real traction or headway, it's our heart and mind are not congruent. Imagine this. Imagine that you're driving a car and you've got your foot on the gas, but you're looking in the rear view mirror. Imagine that you're driving a car, you've got your foot on the gas, the car is moving forward, but you're looking in the rear view mirror. If that's how you're driving your car, how fast are you going to go? How comfortable are you going to feel putting your foot down on the gas pedal? I don't know about you, But if I were moving forward, but looking in the rearview mirror, I wouldn't feel comfortable moving at all. I wouldn't want to hit somebody or anything. And that's what it's like... When in our heart, we want to move forward. We desire to move forward. We'd like to expand into feeling our power and our glory and the good and the prosperity and the abundance, sharing our gifts and talents in the world, opening to more and more loving relationships. But we're looking in the rearview mirror. We're looking in the past, and we're evaluating and judging what's happening now by what happened in the past and we're literally looking at what's happening now to try and find places where the hurts and the upsets of the past are going to repeat themselves and we know they're going to repeat themselves because in our mind we keep repeating them over and over and over again So that's why they keep manifesting again and again in our life experience. And you can see how when this is going on you feel like you're on that hamster wheel and you're not really going anywhere. One of the things to understand that's critical about us as human beings is we are having an energetic experience in this 3D human experience. And The most powerful thing in our life is our heart and what we hold in our heart. And our hearts are literally, our heart chakra, our heart center is designed to be the perfect giver and receiver of love. Love is abundance. Love is wisdom. Love is creativity. Love is harmony. Love is joy. Love is freedom. Love is all good things. And we're designed to be in perfect alignment with receiving divine wisdom and insight and guidance from our higher Holy Spirit self, from our true higher self. I call it the higher Holy Spirit self, as I said in the bonus class, because some people think of God or the Holy Spirit as outside of them or separate from them. But that's not my understanding of God. Or the Holy Spirit or the higher self that we're all connected, all one. And we're designed to receive a constant 24-7 live stream of divine insight and guidance and nourishment and support. And we receive it through our heart now. If in our heart we give ourselves permission to hold thoughts of anger and resentment and hurt and doubt and blame and shame and worry and fear, what that does is it creates a block in that heart center. And the energy then cannot flow in a way that's prosperous. It can't flow in a way that's healing and nourishing. And literally those blocks of the resentment and the hurt and the fear and the anger, etc., they literally create a stagnation or a a feeling like a, a whirlpool for a lot of people. It can feel like a a whirlpool pulling you down into greater and greater experience of negativity. And so it feels like we can spiral right down into negativity and then it can feel really difficult to pull ourselves up from that. It can feel like depression for those of you who are Course of Miracles students like me, A Course of Miracles says that depression comes from thinking that you're deprived of something that you really want. But literally, no one can deprive us of anything. However, we can forfeit the joy, the harmony, the peace, the beauty, the wholeness, the freedom, all these spiritual qualities and being in the flow of these spiritual qualities we can forfeit our experience of that by holding resentment and regret and hurt and blame and shame in our heart and sometimes we don't even allow ourselves to acknowledge it and this was me for a long long time That's how I learned so much about it. I did so much research. So when we are heart-mind congruent, so we, in our heart, I'm holding love, joy, peace, harmony, goodwill, kindness, compassion, generosity. That golden rule that all the world's religions have, which is due unto others, as you would have done unto you. And the reason we do unto others. As we'd have done unto us. Because what we do to others will be done to us energetically. In some way, shape or form. We might not recognize that being unkind to this person. Will boomerang back to us as this person being unkind to us. A different person. But it is that like attracts like. Like. If I think it's okay to misuse somebody or be unkind to somebody, then I will attract someone who also thinks like that, who might be unkind to me. So we're we're deciding in the Finding Freedom boot camp to be heart-mind congruent, that we hold in our heart love and compassion for ourselves and for others, and we hold in our mind Thoughts of love and compassion. And what it becomes is an experience of really weeding the garden. Weeding out the thoughts that are not congruent with love. And what happens when our heart and mind are congruent, then it's miraculous. Amazing. Because And people report on this all the time, that where they felt blocked for 10, 20, 30 or more years, suddenly the floodgates open. And it's because of the heart-mind congruency with love. It's so powerful when our heart and our mind are congruent because they're focused on the same thing. And our focused attention... Brings amazing results. Truly amazing results. Hmm. I think I might have to close my windows here. Yep, here comes the rain. I live in Hawaii <laughs> and the rain comes and goes all day. Tropical. Here comes the rain. <laughs> and Here's an example of heart-mind congruency for negativity. So you can think of perhaps some people who are very negative and who are also very wealthy, let's say, or very successful in the world. In their heart and in their mind, they are holding, I'm guessing, but... It sure seems to me that a lot of people who are wealthy and successful in the world but who are also negative, they're holding in their heart and in their mind congruency for, I want my stuff, I need my stuff, I'm going to get my stuff, I deserve to get what I want, I'm going to get what I want. I am going to keep what I want, what I want, what I need. is more important than what anybody else wants or needs. My wants and needs come first. My wants and needs will be met. And so they can be so successful at manifesting what they think they need and they want in the world. However... Because their heart isn't focused on love and compassion and kindness and forgiveness and joy. Their life isn't happy. So they may have everything in the world they think they want. But they don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel satisfied. They don't feel harmonious. Because they're not holding the peace and the love and the joy and the compassion in their heart. So... Your opportunity in finding freedom is to weed your garden and look and see where you can make your heart and your mind more and more congruent. Because that's going to lead you directly to success, including success in the world. This is the thing that I noticed when I was clinging to my judgments and my opinions and all the thoughts of lack and attack. I didn't feel successful in the world. I didn't think I could be a successful minister. It seemed out of my reach. How will I ever live the ministry that I'd like? How will I ever be a successful teacher? How, how, how will it ever happen? It always seemed out of reach to me. But when I began to focus my entire attention on that heart-mind congruency, Everything began to change because like attracts like, I started to magnetize into my life people like me who were interested in walking the talk and living the love. And they were interested in walking the talk alongside me and living the love beside me. And over the many years that I've been teaching Finding Freedom, more and more people are demonstrating that it works. And you'll see as you participate in the Facebook group, if you choose to do that, and as you go along this path of doing the actual work and practices of Finding Freedom, weeding your garden, you will see the results tangibly showing up in your life so the important thing to remember about heart mind congruency is the results that you'd like to experience in your life do come from heart mind congruency and no one can do that for you that's the gift that you give to yourself so your spiritual practice of making prayers and studying the classes and doing the journaling and the workbook and the different things that are in the Finding Freedom Boot Camp, those practices that you invest your time and energy in, in the morning, in the evening, however you do your practice, they become the foundation to help you remember all through the day to keep going back to heart-mind congruency. And you'll see... That I offer you very specific tools to help you remember to do that. Because that's one of the most challenging things for all of us is that we forget. And suddenly we realize, oh my gosh, for the last two hours I've been complaining. How did I get back on that hamster wheel again? And so I give you very specific things in finding freedom to help you with that. And one of them is called the Divine Alarm Clock. And we'll be talking about that next week. And you can watch now. You can watch the video about that now. And you can read about that also in your workbook. So let me just see. Does anybody have any questions about heart-mind congruency? Any questions about heart-mind congruency? okay let's see here uh, I, I also like to point out that when you go to the website and you scroll through the different lessons there on each lesson page you'll see that there are quick links there to the Sacred Circle. So when you're listening to the Sacred Circle or listening to the replays of the Sacred Circle, you can find that there. There's a quick link to my daily blog, which I call Spiritual Espresso. And there's a quick link to the store, other classes and things you could purchase, my YouTube channel, and our Facebook group, which is a closed Facebook Group And I invite you, there's a section in the workbook on the etiquette in the Facebook group. I ask you to please read that Facebook group etiquette. Okay, no questions on heart-mind congruency. Alright, we're going to do a little inner work here that's really powerful, really helpful. I call this taking stock of your investments, taking stock of your investments. And so I'm going to invite you to settle in. One of the things I also invite you to do during the listening of these classes uh, while we're recording them, if you could not multitask, that helps us all to have a stronger energy. Uh, It just makes the energy much clearer and stronger. And so I invite you to just be focused right here, uh, right now, and to not be texting, not be emailing, not be surfing, and doing other things. That's one of the main ways that we detach. And then what happens is we're listening to a spiritual teaching But we're not really listening. (laughs) We're doing a couple of things. So our spiritual practice isn't something that we really multitask with. So being focused is really valuable. Okay. Now all throughout your workbook, there are places where you can make notes. And uh, towards the back, there's empty blank pages for you to do journaling. So we're going to start with the taking stock of your investments here. And you can take a blank, uh, some blank pages towards the back of the workbook. Uh, let's see, if you look uh, around page, it's called my journal section. It's around page 246-7 in there, the blank journal pages. What I'm going to invite you to do is to, we're going to bring up some memories So, that we can do some healing and some clearing. All right. So, I'll be inviting you to take some notes. Hmm. Let's take a breath and prepare for this. You're going to find that this is quite helpful. So, this is. More or less a guided type meditation. The more you can focus, the more it will support you having your healing. So the first thing I'm going to invite you to do with your eyes closed is bring into your awareness a memory from your history that comes up on a regular basis. A memory of a time when you felt ashamed or something that you feel ashamed about. Whatever thing that comes into your awareness of shame, something you feel ashamed about, it comes up on a regular basis, maybe every day, once a month, once a week, something that you feel ashamed about. And then we're just going to let that go for a moment. And now I invite you to bring into your awareness something that you blame others about, something about yourself or your life that you blame others for, bringing into your mind something that comes up on a regular basis, a repeating thing that you still blame others for. And then we let that go. Take a breath. And now I invite you to bring into your awareness a regret. A regret that comes up on a regular basis, feels strong, really upsetting something that keeps coming back into your awareness, a regret. And then we're going to let that go and take a breath. And now, something that you feel hurt about comes up on a regular basis, seems to always be there. Something you feel hurt about A deep wound, a hurt, keeps coming up again and again. And we're going to let that go. Take a breath. And now, what's the fear? What is the fear that comes into your mind on a daily basis? Seems present all the time in the background, maybe in the foreground. What is the fear that comes up again and again and again? And let's let that go. Breathing deeply. Is there something that you hold in doubt? perhaps it's a self-doubt is there a self-doubt that comes up in your mind frequently something that you hold in doubt that really bothers you and then let's let that go Take a breath. And now, is there a worry? A worry or concern? A consistent, persistent worry that comes up again and again. You're reminded of it frequently. Something that worries you. And we're going to let that go. Take a breath. Is there something that you've been angry about for a long time? Is there something that you've been angry about for a long time? Or something you've been angry about on a regular basis? Something you're angry about. And take a breath. got two more, is there something that makes you jealous, envious, is there something in your life where you feel jealous, again and again it comes up. you feel jealous and envious. Take a breath and let that go. And the last one is guilt. Is there something you feel guilty about that you've maybe you felt guilty about for a really long time something that you've felt guilty about for a long time what is it that you feel guilty about and we're going to let that go now Okay, now taking a pen and paper, I'm going to go back through the list of these 11 negative emotional patterns. And I'm going to say each one, and I'm going to ask you to write down just one, two, or three words to help you Identify. Oh, that's the thing. That's the memory that just came up for you. And so we'll be working with this list later. Each one of these 11 negative things, it's going to be helpful to know what they are and to identify them. So just, we're all so familiar with what those things are. Usually just one, two, or three words will do it. So the first one is a shame. Shame. Shame is the first one, and the next one is blame. Blame is the next one, and the next one is regret. Regret and the next one is resentment, resentment, and then hurt, hurt is number five. Fear, That's number six, fear, fear, and then doubt, doubt, and then worry. Worry and then anger, 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 and then jealousy, envy, jealousy or envy. And the last one after jealousy is guilt. Guilt. Okay. So each one of these emotional negative patterns we identified just a single memory that comes up, a single thing that you thought of. Now, for instance, with anger, you put down one thing that perhaps you've been angry about for a long time. Chances are it's not the only thing that you've been angry about for the long time. And chances are that The thing that you worry about or feel afraid about or have resentment about it's not the only resentment it's not the only regret you've just identified one and most of us might not even be able to identify all of our regrets because we've lost track of them we get so many what I'm going to ask you to do now, go back into your heart and close your eyes. This is our healing clearing work. We're weeding the garden. And so if you take these 11 upsets, the specific memories, beliefs, the thoughts around this particular Shame or regret or resentment, and you add up all these 11, these 11 memories of upset that are active and keep recurring in your day to day experience. Let's tune in and ask the higher self, the higher Holy Spirit self, what percentage of the energy that you have to live your life today, are you investing in holding on to, but not healing, holding on to and energizing and continuing to be upset by these 11 memories, these 11 thoughts and beliefs? How much energy... That you have to live your life today are invested in holding on to, managing, coping with, dealing with these 11 beliefs and thoughts. How much energy, if you have, let's say, 100% of your energy. How much of that 100% is invested on a daily basis in just these 11 memories, upsets, thoughts, and beliefs? What percentage? What does your higher Holy Spirit self tell you? Now, when I do this inquiry in a room full of people, in a in-person workshop, the average in the room is usually 80%. The average. So when you combine all the people in the room, the average is around 80%. I'm going to invite you if you're on the phone to star 2 and raise your hand if you're willing to Just say what number you got. If you got a number, a percentage. And if you're listening online, you can type in a number. And if you're listening later, you can put it in the Facebook group. It's helpful to recognize because this is going to change. And it's a tangible evidence that you are doing the healing work of weeding your garden. So, who is willing to or can share a number? We've got, let's see here, we've got someone in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Hi there. Oh, hi. This is Mary. Hi. Hi, Mary. Hi. I put down 80%. What was your 80%? Okay, mm-hmm. great. And how does that feel to you, knowing that? Uh, Well, if I understood it correctly, it doesn't feel great. It uh, it, uh, feels like I'm still focusing on those issues Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: uh, those negative emotions and everything, especially regret. Yeah, so imagine that in in the course of the next couple of months, you'll – be able to shift that what difference would it make in your life if you got that number in half oh I think I would be a lot more joyful mm-hmm. I think I could feel joy and I could um, you know basically be a happier person hmm absolutely and and you can and in the work that we do in finding freedom that's what happens I'm so looking forward to that, Jennifer. Yes. I'm so glad I signed up for this because I I think it's good timing for me. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to what unfolds for you and for all of us. Thanks for sharing. Yes, Mary. Thanks. (laughs) Bye bye. Bye. All right. And we've got Jennifer here raising her hand. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jennifer. <laughs> what number um, did you get? So it, before I started the boot camp um, seven weeks ago or whatever, I was definitely at like ninety percent, mm-hmm. and now I am. I fluctuate. I would say between sixty and eighty percent. Beautiful, but yeah, and I I'm relishing that those days when it's 60% I am relishing those days yeah and and how long has that been how long has it been since you did the did it the first time Um, it's well I started it's I I'm almost I'm almost done with this this first one Um, so I guess it's been almost three months so yeah it's not, not very long to be turning it around like that so that that's right pretty pretty grateful for that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <Yeah>. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to see who wrote in and let's see. We've got Blanca wrote in 85%. And okay. So I think that's it for right now and so you can see there's some evidence that uh, in a short period of time you can really make some track it, traction and shift that around yay all right so one of the things i'd like to turn your attention to is in in the workbook and you don't have to have it right in front of you that's fine uh, because I know many people they've just started and they don't have their workbooks yet that's fine it'll be coming in perfect timing but in the workbook you have a contract and, that you can write with yourself and it's a contract that includes your aspiration your intention and your goal for finding freedom and you, you'll you fill it out so your aspiration is really how would you like to be in your life and how would you like to feel in your life? That's what your aspiration is. You aspire to be and to feel. So your aspiration isn't about doing or accomplishing. Because we can do and accomplish all kinds of things in this world without ever being peaceful or feeling harmonious and when we can be peaceful and feel harmonious be loving and feel compassionate, be compassionate be kind, be generous, when that's how we're living then we are naturally in the flow of abundance and prosperity, healing health, wellness the all good is unfolding So often we think that we need to focus on accomplishments and doing in the world because we think that's going to be fulfilling. It's really being your true self, being able to be loving and compassionate in every moment. That's the most fulfilling thing there is. To be able to maintain peace and harmony regardless of what is going on in your life is so nourishing and that's what we're aspiring to do so writing an aspiration that feels really clear and really simple to you not making it really complex the simpler it is the more powerful it will be for you because then you can remember it easily. One of the things I notice in doing this work is sometimes people write very detailed, complex contracts. And if I ask them, "What's what's your contract for finding freedom?" it's say in uh, doing a counseling session with somebody, uh, they'll say, "Oh, I I don't remember." So people will write something very. Uh, complex, very beautiful, seems like very high aspiration, but it's not connected in their heart and they can't remember it. So my invitation to you is to write a contract that feels really simple and clear and concise. So one of the ways to do that is to start drafting it with your aspiration of how you'd like to be and how you'd like to feel seven weeks from now, 90 days from now, or just generally in your life. And then your intention is how you'd like to show up in the world. So, for example, uh, someone might have an intention to release habits of being critical or complaining and their intention is to be loving and compassionate. It's a slight difference from aspiration. It's I like to say intention is about how you're showing up and living your life. So it's a little bit different Than how you'd like to feel and be. Though it doesn't have to be different. It can be the similar or the same. And your goals in your contract are concrete things that you'd like to accomplish during finding freedom and beyond. That support your intention and your aspiration. So, for instance, if you have habits of self-medication, maybe one of your goals would be to replace the habits of self-medication with habits that are self-loving and self-nourishing. And you may have an idea of what those are specifically. So, sometimes people will say, my goal is to quit smoking and start walking. Could be simple like that. So, your goals are tangible things that you can do. This is the doing part that you can accomplish that support you fulfilling your intentions and your aspirations. So sometimes people might say, my aspiration is to be loving and compassionate and to feel harmonious. And my intention is to be loving and compassionate with myself by eating healthfully and getting to sleep at a reasonable time Taking care of myself in a self-nurturing way. Aspiration, intention, and goals. And there's a whole piece written about that next to the contract. I invite you to draft a contract. You can start doing it now with those three pieces. Your aspiration, how you'd like to be and feel. Your intention, how you'd like to show up in the world and your goals, tangible things that you're doing that support your intention and support your aspiration. Draft that contract, and then every day, if, you, if this calls to you, this is one of the practices you can do. Remember, it's important to build momentum, so pick the things that you can do in the time that you have allotted. If you have five minutes each day, then a prayer, doing the uh, doing the um, daily mastery journal, that'll be quite enough. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. If you have a little more time, you can draft your contract and then rewrite it, read it aloud. And once it starts to feel like, oh, I've got this, this is my contract, then you can fill it in in the workbook and I encourage you to read it each day. Now if you write a really long detailed contract reading it each day will become laborious. What I notice is that people who are really rock stars in doing this work they write a very simple contract that they can easily memorize. If you can't memorize it, it's really not coming from your heart. It's more from your intellect. And so that's why I encourage you to keep drafting it and redrafting it until it really feels like it's flowing from your heart. You've memorized it. You know what it is. And it really works for you. One of the things I can tell you is I felt inspired to do this um, uh, many years ago. And what it came down to for me was one simple statement. Okay? And I, I, what I did was I drafted and redrafted, and I wrote it over and over again for maybe 30 or 40 days until it just felt absolutely word-for-word word perfect. And I just kept writing it again and again. And then what I did was I took it, actually, and I made a beautiful printout of it on some beautiful paper, and I framed it. And I printed out three copies of it, And I put them in three different beautiful frames. I put one beside my bed, one on my desk, and one in the area where I saw my counseling clients in my home. And so it was always there. And even if I didn't consciously notice it there, it was always in my mind. This is what I am declaring for myself This is what I'm being, this is what I'm doing, this is what I am. And the one that I ultimately came to is, I live as the Christ Consciousness, demonstrating love, compassion, beauty, affluence, and wisdom. And affluence to me is being in the flow. It's being in the flow of divine goodness in all its ways, creativity, freedom, harmony, etc. So I'm inviting you to work on, start working now on your contract. And just start drafting it, making notes. You can come back to it, read it once a day. Get it to where you really are memorizing it and you're thinking about it. And you can train yourself to review your contract mentally first thing when you wake up. If you uh, go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you can review your contract. You can just recite it to yourself. You're driving in traffic. You're waiting for the kids to finish their soccer game, you're walking your dog, you're preparing dinner, you're folding the laundry, keep going back to it. The more you go back to it, the more you're going to become heart-mind congruent for what's in your contract, and the more quickly it's going to manifest and demonstrate as your whole life. What we're doing in this finding freedom boot camp is we're training ourselves to recognize we're always working in the invisible we're always working in the invisible the invisible is the field of mind and that's where everything starts so it often seems like oh I feel upset because of what's happening in the world but what actually is going on is that what we see in the world is a byproduct of what we're thinking and that's the law of cause and effect the law of cause and effect is a law of the universe that you can't get around you can't get under it you can't get over it you can't get around it it's always working and Everything in our life is subject to the law of cause and effect. So, the law of cause and effect says that our thoughts, combined with our belief, the thoughts that we think that we truly believe, are our power. That's how we bring things into manifestation in this world. We are light beings. We are the light. This is our true essence, is light. And when we bring a thought into our awareness, it's just like in a, the way a movie is projected onto a screen. You have a piece of film moving through the projector... And the light from the projector shines through that image on the film and then you see it on the screen. Now the reason why we see so many things in our physical world that are literally signs from spirit of how life is. (laughs) So we are now, we're waking up to the fact that we are the light in that movie projector. And our intelligence, our awareness, is the movie projector. And what we see on the screen is the result of what we think. So there's what we think in the collective mind, right? So in the collective, there are thoughts of greed and hoarding. And they show up as the people who are... Wealthy and they have a lot, and they're hoarding. And it also shows up as people who are poor and don't seem to have enough. So our collective thought shows up as something that's incredibly beautiful in the world, and it also shows up as war, plague, famine, So every thought that we're thinking, that we believe, is contributing to everything that everyone is experiencing. And you notice that there's an ever-increasing ease to many people's lives, because more and more people are being loving and being compassionate. So you can think of, at the time that um, Jesus walked the earth, it was a time of tribes. And many people lived in tribes. And they were just raising their awareness from a tribe mentality to a more national mentality. And so in tribes, uh, there was a lot of tribal warfare And people were very protective of their family. And people started uh, living by that uh, idea of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. uh, Very threatening, very intense. But if you look around your neighborhood, who's living that way now? Probably nobody in your neighborhood is a vigilante or is trying to enact their own justice We have uh, the United Nations and we have all kinds of peacekeeping operations. We live in a very different world from the world that was operating operating 2,000 years ago because so many people have come to see the value of doing unto others as you would have done unto you. Now, in our day-to-day life... We're going to always see reflected back to us what we're holding in our heart and in our mind. We can choose to say, oh no, that's not what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing a reflection. Or we can say, oh, this is a reflection. Let me look at that reflection. So for instance... People often ask me, well, what does that mirror thing mean? What is that reflection? Is, I'm seeing this person in my life who's so, so angry and annoyed and attacking with me. Are they mirroring me? What's happening there? Well, here's the thing. Do they bother you? Are you upset by them or does your heart open and feel compassionate towards them? Because anybody who comes into your life who is upset in any way, shape, or form, it's a cry for love. When I'm upset, it's a cry for love. And some people meet that cry for love with uh, this kind of energy where they say, Hey, I'm not going to deal with your stuff. You can't treat me that way. You can't talk to me that way. But the loving, compassionate, awakening person, when someone treats them badly, they say, Hey, are you okay? What's happening? Why are you um, acting that way? Do you need more love and support? Do you feel uh, that you need some nurturing? Can I give you some more care and love and support so that you can feel more comfortable? Is there something you'd like to talk about or share? But if I'm not feeling stable, I might want to run away from them. Or I might feel like retaliating. You see, but the more peaceful I become, the more when I'm faced with that, I can say, Hey, what's really going on there? Do you need some support? Now, of course, there are some people I notice that show up in my life, and they consistently like to pick a fight they like to try to irritate and agitate they like to blame me for their feelings does it bother me? if it bothers me it's because how I'm holding them in my mind but I don't have to take it on that I'm responsible for their feelings just because they're blaming me For their feelings. And I don't have to make them bad and wrong. For blaming me for their feelings. So the law of cause and effect. One of the key things to understand about this. Is in terms of the mirror. If you're seeing something in the world. That's upsetting to you. It's upsetting to you. Because there's something that. You believe that's not true. And this thing that you're seeing in the world is a reflection of what you believe that's not true in some way. And it may be a little tricky to identify it. But if you get mad at the reflection in the mirror, that's not going to help you. So, let's say that someone is showing up in my life and they are complaining. And I think, oh, gosh, I can't stand this complainer. Ah." That's when I could say, oh, there's the mirror. I wouldn't be upset if they weren't mirroring something to me. They're holding up the mirror so that I will weed my garden, and I'll look at what's really going on here. If I yell at them, and blame them, or run away from them, I'm just delaying my own healing. I'm actually letting that weed grow even more. But if I take responsibility, and I say, oh, there must be something in me That they are mirroring. What could it be? And you might not find it right away. And you know what? Here's one of the key things to finding freedom is. You don't have to try to analyze it. You don't have to try to figure it out. Simply be willing to have the insight revealed to you. Many spiritual students invest so much of their precious life in trying to understand things and figure things out when they do not have to. That is not a good use of your time, energy, and effort. Instead, just be willing to have the insight given to you. When the insight does come to you, Which it will be magnetized in by your willingness. If you're not getting it, it's because you're really not willing to get it. Your willingness will draw that awareness, that insight, that intuition, into your mind. Into your awareness. And then you'll know, aha, that's why that bothers me. That's what's operating in my mind that's being reflected by that mirror. And then when you see, when you know, when you feel what it is, you can say, thank you. I'm so grateful to the mirror who showed it to me. You're helping me to find the weeds in my garden so I can pluck them and not energize them, not fertilize them, and not avoid them. Yeah, it's really important. So going back to uh, the law of cause and effect. Now this is key to understand how this all works. I am not sure that I know anyone else who teaches it quite the way I do. So this is my knowing of it, my understanding of it. Let's say in a previous incarnation, because I do believe in reincarnation, in a previous incarnation, I made decisions about life. I had opinions and judgments about myself, about others, about life. And my decisions, opinions, and judgments were incorrect and I never bothered to correct or heal myself, then in a subsequent incarnation, what I will do on a soul level, is I'm going to say, okay, in the next lifetime, I'm going to heal that decision, that belief, that opinion, that judgment. I'm going to make it a focus. going to heal it. Because I didn't heal it before, I'm going to heal it in the next life, let's say. Or a subsequent life. So let's say in one lifetime, I am abusive to my children. They're annoying to me and frustrating to me. I don't like them. They're a disappointment. I shame them. I blame them. I'm cruel to them. I'm withholding to them. Whatever it might be. Well, I might go to my death, let's say, with the belief that children are a nuisance. I don't like them. They're a disappointment. So, perhaps in the next lifetime, I might have a parent that treats me that way do unto others as you would have done unto you because what you do to others will be done to you so maybe in a subsequent lifetime I'm the one who's treated that way so that I can learn oh this is what it feels like to be on the other side of that that decision now as that child And that parent is saying to me, you're not worthwhile, you're not making me happy, you're not good, you're a nuisance. And I can start thinking again, it's true, children are a nuisance, I'm a nuisance, I'm a child, I'm a nuisance, I'm bad, I'm wrong. I could blame my parent for teaching me that, but what if I chose that parent and I chose to be born into that family precisely because I wanted to heal that belief. Now let's say that I work with that throughout my life and let's say I'm successful in having a healing and so I make a vow as a teenager I'm going to have children and I'm going to love those children and adore those children. And I'm going to have so much compassion and kindness for my children. I'm going to do the opposite of what was done to me. And I'm going to even adopt some extra children. I'm going to have a, 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 a whole a big group of children and I'm going to love and adore and understand and nurture and have compassion for all of them that's how I'm going to turn it around in working with it throughout my life and throughout my childhood what's going to happen is when I come into the next incarnation The decisions, the opinions and judgments that I had in previous incarnations that were false, that I did not heal, become my belief system in future incarnations. We think we get our beliefs maybe from our parents, but I really don't think that's the case. I think we come in with them and we choose a family that's going to hold those beliefs so that we can re-energize them and we can forgive ourselves for ever having thought them in the first place. So when we're forgiving our parents, we're really forgiving our former selves. When we're forgiving anyone for their trespasses and their debts, we're actually forgiving our former selves. And this is why A Course a Miracles says... All forgiveness is self-forgiveness. So, back to the law of cause and effect. Our belief system is literally the residue, or you could say it's the concretized thoughts of previous incarnation that are now our belief system. Our belief system magnetizes into our awareness thoughts that are congruent with our beliefs. Like attracts like. So if I believe I'm not good enough, I'm going to magnetize into my awareness the thoughts that are congruent with thinking I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough, therefore nobody's going to hire me. I'm not good enough, therefore nobody's going to want to marry me. I'm not good enough, therefore I might as well just treat myself badly. I'm not good enough, so nobody's ever going to treat me well. I'm not good enough, so I'm not going to do well in school. I'm not good enough, I've got uh, OCD, I've got ACD or ADD or you know whatever it is that makes is just proof that i'm not good enough these thoughts will keep coming and keep coming magnetized into our belief by our belief system into our awareness now remember as i was saying before our awareness is that light and those thoughts are like the film That we're shining our light into. So the thought comes into our mind. We shine the light of our awareness into it. And then we think we see it on the screen of our life. We think it's real. But it's not actually real. We are good enough. There isn't anything wrong with us. But our belief makes it seem as though there is. And if we keep thinking thoughts in alignment with the beliefs that aren't true, it seems more real and more real and more real. And what happens is, all thought that we choose to believe and invest ourselves into, it becomes form in this world. What is form? Form is more thought. Form is our emotions, our feelings. And form is our physical body. And form is the circumstances and situations of our life. And this is why we see so many examples of thought becoming form over and over and over again. It's done unto you as you believe. It's done unto you as you believe. That's the way Jesus taught it when he walked the earth. Another way you could look at it is, you don't get what you deserve, you get what you believe. So that's why in finding freedom, we interrupt those belief patterns. And we train ourselves, and this is the boot camp part, we train ourselves to interrupt the thought and not shine our light into it. How do we do that? Well, when the thought comes into the mind, I'm not good enough. Or the thought comes into the the mind, they're bad, they're wrong, they're stupid, I'm stupid. Whatever those thoughts are, ...that are upsetting... ...when those thoughts appear in our mind... ...because we feel upset... ...we can interrupt that pattern and say... ...I'm not interested in energizing that thought anymore... ...I'm not interested in thinking that thought anymore... ...I'm not interested in having that thought anymore... ...I'm not interested in shining the light of my attention... ...in that anymore... I'm not interested in investing in that anymore. So go back to the 11 negative patterns that we talked about earlier. The shame, the blame, the regret, the resentment, the hurt, the fear, the doubt, the worry, the anger, the jealousy, the guilt. Thinking of all of those They keep coming back again and again and again and again. Every time you allow yourself to think about it and contemplate it and energize it and tell a story about it and believe that it's true, it's going to show up in your life as either more thoughts that are congruent with that because like attracts like, or it's going to show up as emotional upset, that's the form of your emotional body, or it's going to show up in your physical body as a pain or an ache or tiredness or depression or exhaustion. It's going to show up as people mirroring it back to you It's going to show up mentally, emotionally, physically, situationally, circumstantially because of the law of cause and effect. So the way it works is you have a belief. Your belief magnetizes into your awareness a thought that's congruent with it. If you choose to think that thought rather than reject it, Or replace it. Then you're investing in it. And you will see the results of your investment. You will feel the results of your investment. It might be unknown to you. It might be unnoticed to you. You might decide that that irritation, that frustration you feel. That's somebody else's fault. Not yours. And as long as you're thinking it's somebody else's fault that you feel upset, and you're not taking responsibility for it, and you're allowing yourself to feel resentful or angry or hurt, then because like attracts like, you are going to magnetize a lot more of that quickly into your life. And that's why we spiral down so fast. And we feel helpless and hopeless. We can help ourselves. And rather than have hope, we can have faith. And so that's part of finding freedom that's coming up. Building trust so that we can have faith. And we're strong and our mind becomes really strong. Most of us are just out of shape for love. We're in shape for pain and suffering and upset. So one of the most basic things to understand is that our belief system magnetizes into our awareness thoughts that are congruent with our beliefs. We choose to think those thoughts or we reject them. If we choose to think them, we're going to start to feel upset. This is the divine alarm clock. Then You know what begins to happen? Is we begin to say, Oh, yes, it's true. I'm not good enough. And so, I can't get a good job. I can't get a good spouse. I can't get this. I can't get that. My life is the pits. It's never going to change. Something must be wrong with me. We just keep piling on the evidence. Gathering more and more evidence to make the case. That something's wrong with us. That we're hopeless and helpless. We cycle down into despair. And now we're not in that flow of love. We're in that whirlpool. And a lot of times when we go down that whirlpool, the only thing that feels good to us at that point is trying to drown The upset with some kind of self medication. And then when we go into the self medication, the food, the sex, the alcohol, the drugs, exercising, working, whatever it is that we're doing that's our forms of self medication to dull the pain and distract us, then we have a hangover. And that hangover is often physical, mental, and emotional. And then we feel even worse. And we're pulled to self-medicate again and again. And a lot of the times, the things that people self-medicate with are addictive. Or so they seem. Sugar. Alcohol, which is sugar. All kinds of things that feel addictive and compulsive. And then we feel completely crazy. And again, it feels helpless and hopeless. We can experience so much miraculous healing by this one thing of interrupting the pattern. Of allowing these thoughts to occupy our attention and awareness. So fortunately, as soon as we begin to feel Irritated or frustrated or upset or depressed. Anything that doesn't feel harmonious or peaceful. That's an indication. Right then, the thought we're thinking isn't true. And it's been magnetized into our mind by a false belief. We can interrupt that pattern. How do we interrupt that pattern? We call upon our higher Holy Spirit self. Higher Holy Spirit self... You can call the angels, you can call Mother Mary or Jesus or Kuan Yin or Buddha, your Uncle Fred or your great-grandma, whoever it is, or all of it, the company of heaven, all that is holy, (laughs) I've I've called them all, believe me, and we can say, take this thought out of my mind. It no longer has value for me. I've invested all of my precious energy that I ever wish to invest in it. I'm done. I am willing to think a new thought. I am willing to think only thoughts of love and beauty and truth. Please take this false negative thought out of my mind so I never think it again and let anyone else who has this thought have a healing as well. I am a being of love and light, and that's all I'm interested in. Now, when I started doing that, I had to do it a hundred or more times a day, but I don't have to do it that often anymore. It's amazing how much healing we can get, and you'll begin to notice how the Law of Cause and Effect is always working in your life. Every time that you are thinking a thought that's not true, it's an opinion and it's a judgment. Every opinion and every judgment is your false thought. It's your mind saying, this is good and this is bad. This is wrong and this is right. And you know that you're doing that because you don't feel harmonious and peaceful anymore. next week we're going to get into the forgiveness work and what you're going to realize in doing the forgiveness work is that forgiveness is releasing the judgments so with your eleven negative patterns one of the things that you can do is just look and see what are the opinions and the judgments that keep that shame alive? What are the opinions and judgments that keep that blame alive, that regret, the resentment, the hurt, the fear, the doubt, the worry, the anger, the jealousy, and the guilt? Because you will not experience any of those emotions unless you're in opinion and judgment. Your opinions and judgments are always false beliefs. And how I know that is because I became aware that until I could see in all directions of time and space, and know unequivocally what everything is for, because I can see all the ramifications of everything in all directions of time and space, until that time comes, I don't know what anything is for. So I don't need to judge it. In the meantime, until I know what everything is for... I can know it's for my learning, it's for my healing, and I'm interested in both of those things. One thing I'd like to, two things I'd like to point you to in the workbook, and then I'm going to close this out with a prayer. One is the, in case of freak out or meltdown. So there's a clear instruction in there of what to do in case of freak out or meltdown. Uh, You can just go through those list of things. They're very simple and they work over and over and over again. People tell me I was freaking out. I did just a couple of things on the list and bam, I stopped freaking out and melting down. Giving yourself permission to freak out and melt down is unkind to yourself. Interrupt that pattern. It's a habit. It's addictive. I know been there, done that. The other thing is, in your workbook, there's something called the Vipassana Day. Vipassana Day. V-I-P-A-S-S-A-N-A. It's a Sanskrit word. And it's a one-day exercise. And the people who do it have extraordinary results. Extraordinary. And so, I'm inviting you to make a decision now when in the next month or so can you calendar that Vipassana day because it really does take a whole day. So you can read about that in the workbook when you have your workbook. Alright, Any? we're going to close out here with a prayer. Any questions about any of the specific things that I covered in this class and remember your personal application you can definitely uh, ask all those questions in the sacred circle and in the sacred circle if you can't join me live remember you can type in a question we change out the question box usually 24 hours after the sacred circle so during the week you can write questions in there And I'll answer them when it comes time for Sacred Circle. All right. Any questions about how to apply any of these things that we shared about today? All right, let's pray. So we're taking a breath of love and gratitude. so grateful and so thankful for divine love living through us and as us, so grateful and so thankful to open our hearts and open our minds to the power and the presence of perfect love grateful and thankful to partner up with our higher Holy Spirit self once again we are grateful to know I am that I am and I am willing to weed the garden I am willing to stop choosing the cause of my own suffering. I am willing to be heart-mind congruent for love, for my joy, for my healing, for my family's healing, for my body's healing, for peace in this world. I'm choosing heart-mind congruency. I'm willing to start in this moment if I fall down, I get back up again with love and compassion. I'm grateful and thankful to strengthen my mind, to strengthen my heart, and to live a life of love. I'm living my destiny. I am sharing the benefits with everyone because I am one with them. What's true for me is true for all. So grateful and so thankful. To share the benefits with all. Because I'm one with them. In grace and gratitude. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Beautiful listening. I thank you for your beautiful. Focused listening. God bless you. Mm -hmm. So much more to come.